Hey folks, welcome to Touch Podcast. This is Nate. This is Ryan. And this is Shannon. And welcome back to our regularly scheduled program where we pick up with Baylor faculty member and therapist Leanne Gardner, who works with parents on the topic of wraparound sex education. This is part two, so to get the full context, you really need to back up two episodes because last week was our Valentine's Day episode to uh, pick up on the first part of our conversation. And uh, also a little reminder, uh, my primary mic was out during this conversation, so you're going to hear me sounding a little far off through my computer mic. Oh, so tell us again, what, what were the three things the Dutch, the base there training on? You said it was the joy, it was joy and pleasure, and I forgot the first one. Responsibility. So there's... Responsibility. Yeah. Go ahead. Joy, pleasure, and responsibility. Joy, pleasure, and responsibility. It is a shame that we default to fear to... What is your advice to parents uh, with kids who are dealing with things like breakups and emotional manipulation in relationships and, you know, first boyfriend, girlfriend, that kind of thing? The first thing I tell them to do is read a Harvard study called Making Caring Common. It's a website. Actually, Ryan, I think I sent it to you a long time ago when we talked. A way long, back. long time ago. A long time ago. So there was a, this wonderful Harvard study that has really changed how I go about this work and it surveyed 18 to 25 year olds and basically asked them like, what do you wish your grownups had taught you about? Like what, what's, what's going on? What are you thinking about? And here are some of the things they said. 57% of them said that nobody talked to them about not having sex with someone who is too drunk to consent. 61% said that no one had talked to them about making sure their partner was sure and confident about having sex. 62% said that no caregivers or grownups had talked to them about the importance of not pressuring someone to have sex after they've said no. And 82% of males, this might have been in a different study, said that women are turned on slash find it sexy when partners get a little rough with them. 76% of females agreed with that. So what this study is telling us is there is more to relationships and intercourse, and we need to open up the conversation about emotional boundaries. How do you know, like I said earlier, how do you know someone's trying to manipulate you. And this actually was mirrored in my own practice. When I had two teenagers over the course of a month come in my office and tell me that their boyfriends had told them they were going to kill themselves if they broke up with them. So you have a 16 year old girl whose frontal lobe is not formed, who is developing her identity and is trying to figure out how to be in an intimate relationship And then her boyfriend tells her, if you break up with me, I will die and it will be your fault. My question would be, is there a culture in that family or another trusted adult that that child can go to, to sort that out? Because that's very confusing. So that's that back to that connection thing. If we're talking about relationship dynamics in the first grade, we are increasing our chances that we have added to the emotional bank of creating a very warm, friendly environment when the stakes are really high. And that, I mean, that's my goal as a parent. What, what am I going to do 
to create an environment for my two boys to come to me or, and this is another one of my soapboxes, sometimes parents are too close, another trusted adult to say, I'm in trouble here and I don't know what to do instead of another peer. And peers aren't all bad, but, but we know that peers have agendas and we really need uh, someone with a little more life experience to help guide them in these high stakes things. So I always tell caregivers, you've got to give your kid permission um, uh, to have another trusted adult to talk to because you're sometimes going to be, your closeness becomes a liability. Yeah, that's very helpful. And if I can chase a rabbit for a second, um, I imagine there are a lot of uh, people listening who have teens at home who's are thinking about their kids and the relationships their kids are in and may have had a moment of panic when they heard you talk about that and like how can I know if my kid is in a manipulative relationship being manipulated manipulated like that you described like what kind of things can we be looking out for um so can I chase a rabbit to chase your rabbit yeah um okay so let let me back up a little bit because you kind of touched on a, a question I get a lot, which is what if I haven't done this work and they're right. like 15 or they're 10 and I've way past six. Right. And I've just, I've just kind of woken up to the fact that I've got a teenager and crap. I, we haven't really had a lot of good talks yet. Exactly. So I'm going to answer that one first. And what I say, and what I say very early when I present to people Uh, which is like a rabbit chasing a rabbit a little bit is our kids do not want perfection. Okay. So when, when, when caregivers say to me and it happens single time I present, what do you want to get out of the seminar? I want to do it right. I want to do it right. I want to do it right. I mean, over and over again. And I say, you're not going to do it right. It's not going to happen. You're not perfect. Your kids are going to have baggage, whether or not you're the best parent in the world or not, because you're humans. So take that off the table, take perfection and rightness off the table and replace it with humility, vulnerability, and presence. And all of those things create connection. You're thinking, what is going to connect? What is going to connect? Is preaching going to connect? It usually doesn't. Is, uh, you know, shaming going to connect? It never does. Listening connects? Yes. Asking questions? What do you think? You have a brain? Yes. Those things connect. And so what I say to people is if you have, if you feel like you've missed the boat a little bit on this, what you say is, Hey, I went to this thing. I heard this podcast, etc. I realize I have missed some opportunities with you. And What I also realized is this is my job as your parent or as your caregiver. I know that your friends are probably talking. I know you hear things from other places, but they, but they might have other agendas like being cool. My agenda is to love you and to keep you safe and to give you good information. And so this might be embarrassing. You might get an eye roll. You do it anyway. Right. This might be embarrassing, but I need, there's some things I really want to say that I want to, to talk to you about. And again, you don't have to talk back. If you feel weird about this, you can go to Aunt Jen, who is your trusted person, run some things by her. But here are some things I really, really want you to know. Um, a caveat to that, that the Harvard study also 
so affirmed and what I hear on the ground is kids also want to hear about our own experiences. How did you break up with somebody? Uh-huh. Um, I, my kid found out that both me and his dad were engaged before we were engaged to each other. Why didn't you marry him? Uh-huh. And I remember thinking this, not, you don't, this is not appropriate. You don't need to know that. Then I read the Harvard study and I was like, Oh yeah, this is actually great scaffolding. So I talked to him in an age appropriate way about why I didn't marry the other guy. That is wraparound sex education because we're talking about relationships. So coming back to your other question about, so how do you talk about the emotional boundaries thing? Um, Lots of good stuff on the internet to talk about power and control issues. You know, if somebody's trying to keep you from your friends, if somebody gaslights you, on a regular basis, my my four year old knows what gaslighting is. I will hear. On for, the for, for, sorry, for our listeners who don't, uh, uh, define gaslighting for us. Here's my definition of gaslighting. If you are in a relationship with someone, I, I do like concentric circles. So, so Ryan, I'm going to draw it for you, and I know the listeners can't hear, but <laughs> but you have three, you have three cir- you have two circles that intersect. Yeah. Okay. Kind of like a Venn diagram. Yes. Overlap in the middle. Yeah. Okay. So here's Ryan in one circle. Yep. Here's Dan in the other circle. And then in this middle part, we share space. Yeah. This space in a good, healthy relationship is safe. What that means is Ryan does not say to me when I say, um, I'm hungry. He does not say, no, you're not. Mm. You're not hungry. You just ate. You don't get to tell me what I feel. Right. I mean, that sounds so 101, but that is the, those are the things that are, sometimes our bodies respond to that. Like, wait a second, that felt weird. That I felt a little bit violated that you just told me how I was supposed to respond in that situation or what I'm feeling. So I can say back to you, excuse me, you don't know how I feel or what my body's doing. But you could say instead, that's interesting, Leanne. I just saw you eat an entire plate of food. You're still hungry? Yes, Ryan, I am still hungry. <laughs> I mean, that, right. that's a silly example. But, but what happens is these, these, these kids and, and grownups, I see it all the time in grownups, will say to me, you mean I have a right to say that their opinion of me or that their opinion that is portrayed as fact is not true? Yes. You have a right to have an opinion. You have a personhood. You have a self that stays over here, your own thought, your own thoughts, feelings, actions, behaviors, opinions that are apart from any other person's. Um, and when you, when you intersect with healthy people, and sometimes healthy people gaslight, I'm not saying like you're all evil if you gaslight, that sometimes things go wrong and you just have to give a gentle reminder like, hey, that didn't sound right. What did you mean? I, I'm confused. Um, but that we get to operate out of our own sense of selfhood and nobody gets to invade our emotional space and tell us what we think or believe. Um, super. Imp- I mean, if I talk about anything every day of my career, it is emotional boundaries wow. and those circles. Um, so Ryan, think about this. Sorry, I get excited. What if you had heard about this when you were 14? <laughs> I would have had, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, 
Um, yeah, that it's actually the example you said, like that, that sounds like a classic 14, 15 year old boyfriend telling a girlfriend, like, you don't, you don't, you know, whatever, like you don't want to blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, setting the agenda for whatever the afternoon or the evening is going to be, you know. Well, and then if we, if we trickle down to the body, yeah. you know you want to do this. You know, I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. And if you don't, you're useless or you're whatever the awful adjective is, you know? So this, you know, if you think about us, this conversation, it may seem to be like tangential from the topic of your podcast, but it's really not at all. It's very related. Um, and if we can give kids a voice, then we give them empowerment to their bodies too, to say, that's not what I want to do. Um, yeah, one of the things we've been coming back around to on this season, the podcast is talking about desire. And I think for people who, one of the, the definitions or ideas related to gaslighting that I'm familiar with is the idea of being someone convincing you that something that isn't real is real, you know, that kind of that. And so, and that's where, and this idea that, um, in, in your example, the way, if your entire life you've been told that the way you're feeling is not valid or not real and what that really means is something else, then, you know, you grow up and then you, you can, um, you know, not even know how to order, you know, you go to a restaurant, and, you know, you have the whole menu in front of you, you can't order off the menu because you don't even know, you know, you don't even have enough ego to say, oh, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. And, well, and in my example, you've been convinced you're not hungry at all. Uh, you don't even think about ordering because that person has just convinced you because you just had a plate of food that you're not hungry. Yeah. So if you've been told pleasure is bad, mm -hmm. because here's the other narrative I hear. It's related, I promise. I need to be interested in sex. This is a female because I need to serve my husband. And I say, <laughs> yeah, you're not, a, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you're going to do your duty as a wife. You've got to put out. And if you, and if I enjoy, if I enjoy sex, it will make him happy. It's not on its own. Uh, it's not an own ends to a me, uh, means to an end that I deserve to feel pleasure because I am a person who has a body. Um, so that's a huge reframe from the purity culture folks. Uh, who come up and hear uh, you are bad. Nobody's saying it. It's in a, it's right. like in their DNA. You are bad because this feels so good. And so the way that I will make myself feel better about that is to frame it all about him. <laughs> what? Uh, I, let me say this though. A a person. I don't know if her name has come up on your podcast. Peggy Ornstein. She wrote Girls and Sex. She has a great podcast about teenage girls and sort of their, uh, their narrative that my full, the, the way that I express my sexuality is pleasing voice. Um, and I think that is where we have to, we have to really reclaim that narrative, especially those of us who, who were damaged by purity movement. I, I think I barely missed it, actually. I think I'm a little bit too old. Um, but I certainly got the message you know, from my church culture that 
the Holy Grail was like your wedding night and there was no journey to that at all. That's like totally, that was an, that was a rabbit chase you can cut. I don't know. Where all that <laughs> Sorry. I kind of got off. Well, I, after well, the gaslighting. Well, yeah, I said, yeah, gaslighting desire. Well, and it, um, having a general sense that, and I think this can be men and women, not just women. I think feeling like you, your thoughts, hopes, dreams, desires are not valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is sort of, you know, this, this Christian, um, uh, Jesus first, other second, yourself last. Um, the, you know, the definition of joy, we set ourselves up for failure when, when we start with, you know, what, what someone else needs or wants is more important than anything I could ever need or want. Um, and I do think, I, I don't have, sorry, I don't have any research on this, but there is a, like, kind of some anecdotal stuff that comes up around this, like, martyrdom idea that women are supposed to not like sex because that's one of the ways we sacrifice ourselves for our partner slash family. And sometimes I even get the sense that it's really cool to not like sex. So like to sit around with a group of women, if you're the woman that says, what are y'all doing? It is awesome. We are doing great. Then I'm the outcast because as like a servant oriented Christian woman, there's this weird, uh, there's this weird dynamic of like, it's almost like sadist, like, like I shouldn't like it and I'm not going to like it because that's part of my duty as like the suffering servant or something. It's, I haven't really thought that out a lot, but I, I have been thinking about that lately and just some anecdotal stories I hear y'all you, you need to maybe do some work on that um, because it can be a great experience. There are a lot of men who listen to this podcast who are praying that when their wives get together and are drinking wine, they're not like, Oh my gosh, I hope he doesn't want sex when I get home. It makes me sad. It makes me sad. I mean, You know, or, or it's like, it may not be that extreme, but it's like, I know that that's how he connects. I hear that a lot. I know that's how he connects. So I do it. I connect, well, I, I connect emotionally, which is like the whole Mars and Venus crap that we got, uh, that we're well, not supposed to connect in that way. Well, haven't you heard from when I've, I mean, I've been, yeah, I've heard from women before. I didn't want to have sex, but once we got going, I really enjoyed it. Like that sort of seems like a very common anecdotally anecdotal sort of uh, scenario where, um, and that, um, and yeah, Mars and Venus kind of thing, you know, we're just brains well, and, differently and hormones are different and stuff. And we, you know, this could send us on an emotional labor rabbit and, and mom's overwhelmed and home with kids. I mean, all, you can do all that, but um, one of the things I want to circle back to the kid part with in this conversation is it seems to me, and I think Peggy Ornstein and other folks like her would agree, that we do not do a good enough job of t- teaching girls about their bodies in a way that is empowering in terms of what th- that 
that they are supposed to feel pleasure. So I brought this book to show you. This is a very popular book. And for the listeners, it's, it's not the stork by Roby Harris. Roby Harris is like the premier sex educator writer. She, she has three of these and this is the younger age group book. And I was reading this to my son and we were going through it. He's very quiet. We get to the body part page. I'll screenshot this and post it. <laughs> okay. So the, so the girl, you want me to just, I'll just text it to you. Um, <laughs> I think so there's a girl actually. You probably do. It's very popular. So there's the girl picture, fallopian tubes, ovary, bladder, urethra, vagina, uterus, ovary. So basic, okay? I, I'm expecting all this. And then it's vulva, opening to the vagina, opening to the urethra, and the clitoris. Okay, so six-year-old boy. Uh -huh. And he has not said a word. I have said every one of these things has a purpose. So we get to clitoris. And he suddenly pipes up and says, what is the purpose of that? Again, my own family narrative, blah, 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 blah. I say, isn't it amazing that God made that part on a woman's body? And the only reason is it exists is to feel pleasure. What do you think his response was? Six years old. I'm going to go with, hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Cool. Okay. Ryan, I did not know I had a clitoris when I was six years old. And now my son knows that a female has a clitoris when he's six years old. That is how we create sex positive boys and girls so that he knows this is not all about me. Yeah. And now talk about that, uh, me traveling around the Baptist church circuit. That is where you know, they're very welcoming, welcoming of me until we start talking about a clitoris. And in fact, I was interviewed by a Baptist organization. And when I talked about the clitoris, he said, I have to check to see if I can print that. <laughs> like the word clitoris? The word clitoris. Hmm. We, we have a problem. Yeah. Well, we, know. we certainly problem. do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so you know and, and by the way am i like doing cartwheels and i have no anxiety talking to my six-year-old boy about a clitoris absolutely i do i am a yeah. human this is still hard for me this is my job but it is still my kid i have i get squirmy but what i tell my parents and what i have to do is live into it because i am his person i am his person i am the one whose job it is to do the bulk of that narrative building. And he's going to get it from all other places. Like you said, culture is sexualized and he's going to get it from school. And he's going to get it from his friends and he's going to get it from his own experience, but he will not be 20 years old and think to himself, I never heard about this stuff. Nobody ever talked about it. It was shameful. I mean, he might say she was a crazy person talking about it all the time, but I'd rather it be that than a message that was the message of silence, which really pretty much sends a shameful um, undertone, even if we don't want it to. There is a commonality with many women who are raised with this notion of just suffer through it because it's what your husband expects, but where's the joy, where's the passion, where's the pleasure for her? It's time for women to reclaim that. And I think that the, this letter speaks loudly to that. The interview with Leanne speaks loudly to that. I'm really excited about this generation of parents 
and the difference that can be made in their kids' lives because they know better than to let the pendulum swing so far to the right as we did during the pre-movement days. Yes, I have to applaud that. That is a major beat you just said. Yes, 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 yes. Huge. I'm going to tag on to that for folks who might be listening who aren't quite convinced that shame is all that bad. And that the letter, I mean, that letter is a perfect illustration about how shame creates an environment where abusers can abuse and manipulate. And because you have this shade of secrecy and you don't feel like you can tell anybody and, and it's just, that's an abuse, you know, abusers are like sharks. They find the weak and the people who, you know, ah, gosh. So, mm hmm. The, the last thing to mention for, for the men who who have not been taught any other framework um, but these things, um, and even though they do not intend to abuse, they don't realize that's what's happening because that's all they've known culturally, they're also stuck in that loop. And uh, so to to articulate both, you know, the disconnection and the ache with women, the disconnection and ache with men, and those roles can be reversal just because you're a man doesn't mean that you're not the one on Diane's end of the uh, of the situation. It's very, 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 very likely it does happen, and you're not alone if this is the case. Men carry shame just yeah. like women do. Absolutely. Okay, so let's uh, let's take the aerial view with our season approach. You know, I know that this season is all about desire, and some people may be yeah. wondering all this talk about the purity movement and yeah. rape and abuse. Like, what's this got to do with the desire? Well, here's the thing. In order for there to ever be desire, you have to figure out why there's an absence of desire. You don't just flip a switch and your wife is just rearing and ready to go. You have to understand what has robbed her of her desire in the first place and heal those wounds before she can ever blossom into experiencing the desire that you want her to have from the inside out. And that's not just for women, that's for men too. But you no, get the idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that is for men. And particularly, men are, are sort of blessed with a combination of hormones when we're younger that makes desire, the lack of desire, usually, you know, rarely, you know, is that an issue. But, you know, as men age, we sort of have to, we have to work harder on, um, on our physical intimacy because we're not just a raging horny hormone all the time. And then we have to, and then we haven't learned the other skills of how to build intimacy and how to connect uh, with our partner and, and cultivate that relationship in a way so that we can, in the middle age and older, you know, connect, be aroused regularly and have a fulfilling sex life too. So yeah, exactly. It goes, it goes both ways. This is Ryan. And this is all the time we have. Special thanks to Leanne Gardner. You can find out more about her program and contact her directly at her website, leannegardner.com. That is L-E-A-N-N-G-A-R-D-N-E-R.com. And also, a special shout out to Nate, our co-host, who has just launched his own docu-series on YouTube called Gospel of the Body. Many of you are particularly intrigued by his journey, and now you can follow along. And you'll find that link at NathanDevero.com. That is N-A-T-H-A-N-N-O-V-E-R-O.com. And also, we've received a number of emails 
uh, for people looking for more resources on shame and to help with their relationships. So I also wanted to plug Shannon Etheridge's Women at the Well and Sexually Confident Couples Retreats. You can find out more about them at shannonetheridge.com. And finally, if you'd like to schedule me, ooh la la, to speak at your church or for individual coaching, you can go to thatryanclark.com. This has been Touch Podcast. I'm Nate Novero. This is Ryan Clark. And I am Shannon Etheridge, and we love you for listening.